Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit PhotographersEdit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another Boca podcast episode, a brand new guest, uh, certainly a new topic. As I was saying to Vince before we started recording, this is kind of a departure for us, a, a different type or a different genre of photographer on the show today. But uh, we're, I'm joined by Vince Rico. Vince, thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast community. Yeah, thank you so much. Honestly, I'm excited to be here. Well, and we connected, uh, I guess, initially and, and virtually two or three months ago, at least. It's been a little bit. I'm excited that we yeah. finally get to make this happen. But I have to say right off the bat, too, that a, a lot of what a lot of the impetus really for doing this show today is your work, the, the, the uniqueness mm. of your work, the quality of your work. And, and so I'm going to go ahead and tell everybody who is listening in, if you want to go to eventssirico.com, it's V-I-N-C-E-S-I-R-I-C-O.com. And the same thing on Instagram. We're going to, of course, link to these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But you can check out Vince's work. We're going to actually talk today about how to get started in apparel photography and more specifically shoes, because I know, Vince, that's particularly a passion of yours. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to talk about your backstory, but then how, how you've ultimately made the move very, very quickly in your career to working with companies like Reebok and Adidas, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, it's uh, it's a dream come true, honestly. So <laughs> well, and awesome. I have to say too, my my uh, son in particular is a I don't even know what the the correct phrase is here, <laughs> but a fan of apparel and shoes. And so okay, I was like, there hey, we you, go. You gotta you gotta look at this guy's Instagram account and check out his work. Whatever. I'm gonna have to get his uh, shoe size. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah, <laughs> but but what we're gonna we're gonna get to both your career and kind of how you've gotten where you've gotten in just a little bit. Uh, let's okay. start as we normally do at the podcast with a question about your brand position. Now, this is an interesting one because normally I'm having wedding and portrait photographers on the show, and more than ever, right. it's really important to have a distinct brand position. Of course, this is the unique value proposition that your brand brings to your market. Now, you're in a it's somewhat of a similar uh, situation in that there are maybe not as many apparel or shoe photographers in the market, right. but it's highly competitive. So I, I'm curious, what is your photography business's brand position? How do you set yourself apart from the other apparel photographers? Yeah. So I think it, I always think about it and it comes down to uh, footwear and kind of apparel actually came first to me before photography. I've been passionate kind of about that whole world a lot longer before okay. I discovered photography. And I think that shows through the work that it's always going to be and always has been about footwear. You know, I've never really deleted any Instagram posts. So if you scroll all the way to the very bottom, you're going to start seeing really bad, you know, <laughs> iPhone photos of me holding them in my hands like sneakers or I'm wearing them to school. Okay. So it's always been about that. And I think that passion, you know, over time has been able to like show through my work. Interesting. So you would say then that your not only your passion, but ultimately your understanding of the footwear world. And again, forgive me if I'm not using the, the correct language here. No, but, it's fine. <laughs> um, that that kind of drives what you're able to bring to the market. Yes, I think you know, and it's not for all other photographers, but I think a lot of other ones that maybe jump into footwear photography possibly got started in photography, maybe shooting something else, you know, maybe it was like they're interested in landscape or music photography. And along the way, sneakers has definitely became a little bit of a, a trend, uh, a little mainstream now, Yeah, um, which is cool to see. At one point in time, it wasn't, you know, so it was kind of, it's wild to watch it kind of uh, ebb and flow. But yeah, it's always been sneakers for me and it always kind of will be. So I have to ask, do you collect sneakers yourself? Yeah, I would say it's not like like a trading card thing almost per se. Okay. It, it used to be like that pretty bad. But now that I'm in 
the New York area <laughs> apartment space isn't the biggest, so I don't have much control over that. But I do have a lot of sneakers, I will say. I have some here and then I have some back home where my family is in Chicago. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, would you say that New York is kind of the hub for apparel photography, more specifically footwear photography? And do you do you find I mean again in the wedding and portrait photography world you know, there are hundreds or even thousands of photographers almost within an arm's right. reach uh, all the time. How crowded is that photography market where you're at? Yeah, I think it it, it actually is, uh, I think, pretty crowded, especially New York. I think New York is one of the hubs, you know, one of the main cities, I would say, between here and L.A. Um, you're going to see the most in terms of like fashion and footwear. And then you obviously have Portland and the Oregon area where a lot of these companies are based out of oh, okay. some of the main ones. So you have, you know, agencies there that have their own in-house photographers too, that you're, that you're working alongside, or I guess working against, if you look at it that way. Sure. So yeah, it's, I think it is crowded, but I will say everybody does have their own specialty. I don't think there's two, two like photographers that are too similar to each other. So everyone does, you know, get hired for a certain reason. And just to kind of bring it back to that brand position question yeah. one more time, uh, how do you, I mean, you talk about the significance of your background, your passion for shoes and, and how that came before you even got into photography, but how do you ultimately, and I know we're going to talk about your career and how you got to where you've gotten now, but yeah. just in, in regards to brand position, how do you effectively communicate what it is that you have to offer to a company uh, effectively versus the, or in comparison and contrast to the other shoe photographers? Yeah. So I guess that's something where I think if you go on my website or even Instagram, there's not a whole lot of uh, copy about right. my work. Yeah. It's very, I just want the fit to be right where if someone was to go on there and see my work, they just want to get that with Makes sense. their product. Okay. Yeah. So I think I try and do my best to just let the work speak for itself. I'm not the most outgoing person. I don't do a lot of like cold emails and stuff. I'm trying to get work. I'm not in that sense of a, a hustler. So I've just really been big on doing work, even sometimes if it's just going out and creating the work for myself with shoes I have or something, um, and just trying to let that work speak for itself. I mean, hopefully it'll fall into the right hands. And so far it has, and I really do enjoy that process. Interesting. That's an yeah. interesting take. And, and and again, I don't know if it would work as effectively in the wedding portrait photography world because totally. those, yeah. it feels like wedding and ph portrait photographers are kind of a dime a dozen. But um, I have to say again that your work does speak for itself. It does have a unique feel. Something I didn't you. mention to you before, I, I, when you and I had, had kind of briefly gone back and forth before, I had mentioned the significance of color. And we'll talk more about that in just a bit. Yeah. But, uh, it seems like much, if not most, of your work happens with an environmental background. You're actually photographing photographing the shoe in an environment yeah. as opposed to the studio, which I really love as well. Thank you. Yeah, I've done, I've tried the studio out a couple of times and it's just, I don't think it's for me. There was the big hump of just trying to, you know, learning lights and everything. That was something that I really wanted to tackle Yeah, because it bothered me just not knowing it. And at, in the beginning it was ignorance saying I didn't need to know it, but you know, I just wanted to get past that and learn it. And now that I've learned it, you know, I really do believe I belong like kind of outside in the environment, with natural light and all of that. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, talk to me about your experience as a business owner. You've not been doing this an incredibly long time. And in fact, right. you, you moved to New York City right after school and jumped kind of right into freelancing. But how long have you been photographing professionally? Yeah. So it's been probably five or six years now. Okay. I was doing a lot of freelance work while I was in school. It kind of became my college job. Um, because I did not like having a, a regular job that drove me crazy. <laughs> yep. I get it. Yeah. So yeah, it started, it started very early in college. I want to say my sophomore year is when I kind of figured out that photography was what I wanted to do. And it was right from the jump footwear photography. And so this actually 2019 itself is the first actually entire year where I've just been completely freelance by myself, not kind of attached to doing anything else. Okay. Um, and it couldn't be going better. So it's been amazing so far. Well, I'm stoked for you. It's exciting to hear. Thank you. I'd be curious too to hear what your kind of what the biggest lesson that you've learned so far is as a professional photographer. Like, what would be? I know your career is relatively short so far. Yeah, uh, but you've, you've got a great launch. What's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned that you'd want to share with a fellow photographer? Just to be incredibly patient. 
Hmm. And I know it's easier said than done, but I think it's going to come over time as well. Okay. There, there was a time when I was trying to get just get into the footwear industry. I knew I wanted to be in it and around it and with product. And I didn't know what that was really. So it started off with me wanting to be a footwear designer. And I went to art school and it just didn't work out. I just, I couldn't draw to save my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but along, I took a photo class while I was in art school because they have all of these, you know, crazy classes you can take. And I had to get a camera and it kind of went from there. But during that whole process, it was, I just remember being up super late at night on YouTube and all of that, trying to find an answer or a even a school degree that had something to do with the footwear industry. And I think that developed some serious patience because I didn't know anybody in the industry to talk to. So it was kind of just me and my computer. So you, you can develop that patience. You know, um, I think it's crucial, you know, whether you're waiting for an invoice or another gig or something, I think it goes a long way. And I, probably one of the most natural questions here would be, how do you be yeah. patient without gobs of money in the bank and needing work like, how do you balance that? Okay, I got to take a deep breath. Yeah. I know this is going to come. I'm doing, I'm putting the work in. So I know this is going right. to happen. It's not, you know, I'm, I'm not a millionaire right off the bat, but it's going right. to happen. How do you balance that? Yeah. So I think, you know, while you're, you're developing that patience, you know, if you're, if you're really doing it, you know, if you're really hyper-focused and know what you want to do, you're going to start working hard at whatever it is, whether Probably at the time, you know, no one will notice what you're doing, but you know yourself that you're hyper-focused and you're working hard. That's also, you're going to develop um, a confidence, you know? And I think I even, over time, I think back, I developed in my head, I would think, you know, when it, when it wasn't working or something, I would be like, there's no way I'm going to stop doing this. You know, I was a hundred percent committed to it. And I was, I don't know why I was confident like that, because, you know, I remember if I thought even deeper into it, I'd be like, wow, I really have nothing here right now. You know, there's no checks coming in, you know, with any brand logos or anything like that on them. So I think you have to develop that patience and then work and, you know, find that confidence in yourself to tell yourself that it's going to work out no matter what. So, you know, when there's not money coming in, those are always the hardest parts, you know, or those, those dry periods you get any freelancer goes through that. But I think it's how you deal with those dry periods. Um, yeah, the, the mental state, the perspective. Exactly. Yeah. I think I tell it all the time. It's, And I'm sure, you know, you do too. It's the mental game I feel like is almost more than the photography sometimes. You're really battling yourself there. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, I even even today I'm thinking through how I approach my day and how I approach my personal life and, and yeah. business and the way that I'm working and and realizing the significance of the mental game. One of the things that I've found personally a, a lot of benefit from when I've done it is meditation. And yeah. you know that that ability to be able to be present and not worried about I actually just posted a quote on my Instagram stories just a couple of days ago about how there is stress that comes from worrying about the the past, anxiety that comes from worrying about the future, and peace comes from from being in the present. I think this was from mm. Lao Tzu or somebody like that that, that said this. That's but, really good. But there's there's something about that ability to be be present and not anxious. So many photographers I, I see talking about this this thing of, of dealing with anxiety. And a lot yeah. of that anxiety comes from not being able to truly be present and learning how to practice that consistently is really important. It's something I want to do even better with because if we are in the right mental state, then then we can handle some of the temporary stress that comes with running a business or trying to start a business. And uh, I think that's a good reminder for all of us. Talk to us about time a little bit. I mean, I know that you're, you're trying to launch your career, so you're probably putting a lot of hours in. How do you balance yeah. doing that with also not getting burnt out in the process? Do you, do you carve a bit of time out for yourself on a daily or weekly basis? Yeah. That, so yeah, it's definitely something, honestly, from listening to your podcast, I know you guys, it's always a touch point and I've taken little tidbits away from certain episodes that, yeah. you know, strike me different, but yeah, right now it's, it's a lot of hours and it's more than it definitely, I want it to be maybe in the future, but there's little things like one, I know a couple of people have said in the past on your podcast, they, you know, kind of end work around like that 6 p.m. time and kind of like when a traditional, you know, work environment would end. And my girlfriend works from home actually, and she's on a 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. work schedule. So I've kind of been trying to close my computer around that same time that she does. Cool. And that has helped a lot, definitely. And there's always, you know, if I have time, I'll try and take an hour and I'll honestly uh, 
there's one thing I can definitely do where I won't think about work at all and I can jump on a video game and I will <laughs> be in a really good mental state. You know, I won't think about work at all. Yeah, um, I love it. Do do that for an hour. Yeah. So if I can if I can do that, you know, I try to when I can. Do you have a video game of choice? I would say so I have a little Nintendo Switch. Yes. And I will take that everywhere with me and I'll either <laughs> play uh, <laughs> Rocket League or yeah. uh, Skyrim. But those are good because I can play them. You know, you don't have to have internet, so you can kind of play them wherever. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I don't want to go too much on a tangent here, but it's a funny thing yeah. about games these days. Um, I've been highly disappointed when I, I download a game, a mobile game, for my <laughs> phone, and then you know, I'm on my on the the plane or something like that. I have a bit of extra time, or I want to do something exactly. besides work, and I go to play that game, and it's like no internet connection. I'm like, dude, come on, this yeah. is like what what happened to games that you can play just any and everywhere? But I, I get it, I get it. That being said, yeah. um, there is something to to there's some significance to being able to uh, have an activity that you can go to that, that takes you away from, I mean, it doesn't have to be work anything really. It's, it's yeah. something that encourages you to be present and focused. A video game is, is immersive as they can be these days can certainly do yeah. that. I personally find an outlet and riding a motorcycle that, I mean, if I'm not focused, if I'm not present, um, that's going to bite me in a pretty significant way. Right. Uh, and I think it's great for all of us to have activities to, that, that encourage us to be present uh also at peace simultaneously and just to kind of take a break so you kind of break up the monotony you minimize the the potential for burnout i think that's a really good thing and that we should all find those outlets and then blocking off that time also really important and i have a lot of respect for the fact that you're already making that a priority for your for you for the sake of your relationship with your girlfriend i think that's really cool too talk to me about a a self-help book or a business book maybe that you've read or listened to that's had a big impact on your life maybe your business as well yeah, so I would say um, maybe it's not necessarily self help, but uh, you know, one of the main best ones I've read in a re- most recently is uh, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Really? Um, okay. Yeah, so it's kind of how he got started with Nike and how it came about. His whole story is just super inspiring. Um, you know, he just put everything. You know, like if you asked him that uh, question about one tip to utilize time for himself or others, you know, there was a tw- like a time where that wasn't he didn't have an answer for you you know so just reading that you know seeing how he operated was pretty amazing so that was a big one for me because and it's also related to the footwear industry another one was um this is not a t-shirt by bobby hundreds oh okay yeah so that's that one like just came out recently i read it it's kind of how he i mean he's been in the streetwear um apparel industry for 15 something years now which is hard to do so talks about his journey so those were two really good ones. And then obviously listen to uh, How I Built This with Guy Raz is really good. It's such a good I, one. I love that. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite episode? <laughs> I really enjoyed Airbnb. I really liked WeWork as well, actually, how they just, they went into like this office space and started doing the construction themselves. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those were great. Uh, even Starbucks. There's so many good ones. <laughs> it is a really inspiring podcast. It's, yeah, it is. It's amazing. The one around Southwest, I, th- I thought was entertaining and interesting. Yes, uh, and definitely. Tom's Shoes was another really interesting episode. Yeah, for those yeah. of you listening in, if you do not listen to how, it's how I built this. Yeah, just how I built this. How I yeah. built this, yeah, with with Guy Raz. This is definitely an inspiring podcast that I would encourage everybody to listen to. It's it's it can be somewhat entertaining because it's conversational, but there's so much to take away as far as inspiration and um, yeah. even approach to to running or starting a business. And uh, I, I think we could all stand. to, I mean, entertainment's important, but I think even myself, I tend to to want to just kind of take a break. And so I, I just consume stuff that ultimately really isn't doing me a whole lot of good. And, and <laughs> yeah. this podcast can be both entertaining and inspirational and educational. And it's a, it's a great recommendation. So we'll make sure to link to that in the show notes for anybody that's curious. Again, bocapodcast.com um, is a great resource for links that we discuss during the podcast episode, talking points as well. If you're not taking advantage of the show notes, make sure you do that. I want to jump back to one other point that um, has come up multiple times now, Vince, which is the significance of putting the work in, especially when you're starting something up. I mean, you talked about yeah. Phil Knight yourself as well um, at how, you know, especially when you're trying to start something, when you're trying to get it going, you're going to put extra hours in. And I, I used to be a lot more black and white about this. And I think ultimately I paid for it. When I, when I started Photographer's Edit, my goal was to create a company that would generate passive income for me. 
And, and mm-hmm. genuinely, within the span of probably three or four years, maybe, I was working as little as three or four hours a week. And I was lucky enough to have a really great team that was doing the work behind awesome. the scenes and getting the stuff done for me. But the flip side of that is that I know that even if I had put in, say, like 15 hours a week, which would not be a big deal in the least, (laughs) that my company might be in a different place now. So that's one thing. Another thing is right now, I'm actually in the process of launching a new brand called Milu. And uh, it's we're in app development. And it's a a new experience for me. It's been a learning experience, certainly. And the reality is, in order to get something off the ground like that and trying to oversee a project, manage a project and, and work with a team... You, you may just have to put in the extra hours. And so I understand that right. occasionally there may be phases that we go through. We were putting in the extra hours. As long as we're proactive and communicating with the significant people in our life, creating the expectation that, look, this is not going to be a forever thing. I'm putting some extra time in and effort and energy in right now. I know that we're not getting as much time together. I'm thinking about my kids here, maybe my girlfriend. Yeah. But that those kinds of conversations are really important. And um, likely they're going to be understanding, especially as if you follow through then and cut back on the amount of hours later on when you can. But occasionally there are going to be those spurts of time where we do put the extra hours in. That's okay. As long as overall big picture, we're making time for our own personal, mental, physical health, as well as the important relationships in our life. And I think it's important to, to mention that. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about one of the most unusual items in uh, your camera bag. This is kind of an interesting one, especially being a little bit different type of photographer than yeah. we don't normally have on the podcast. <laughs> what comes to mind for you? It is fishing wire. I knew that was going to be... Really? Yes. So I, every once in a while, I try and use it sparingly. If it's a shoe, there's actually some times where a brand will send they will send me... Um, well, it's supposed to be a pair of shoes, but it's a sample so they only get the left pair made or the, just the right. Oh, okay. And so you have to shoot it by itself. And even, I mean, there's even been times where you're supposed to show, you know, that one shoe and make it look like there's two on the person's foot, but you really only have that one right shoe to work with. Interesting. Yeah. But you know, when they want it off, off foot, sometimes I'll pull it out and I can send you a couple of pictures where I've used it, but you know, you kind of loop it through a certain way. And I, you know, I had to get one of the fishing wires that kind of has a better weight to it because some of the shoes are heavier so it won't snap. And then you kind of, you know, either hold it out or have somebody hold it out or, you know, depending on what the situation is and then go in and post and take the fish wire out. And it kind of like makes the shoe look like it's floating. That's cool. And you can kind of, yeah. So that, that's always in my bag. That with like a little uh, knife thing that doesn't get taken by TSA. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. Actually, this is a relevant recommendation for wedding photographers, portrait photographers too, because I'm sure there are a lot of situations. In fact, I think about the detail shots for wedding photographers. Yeah. A lot of times it just all are the same. Everybody's doing the exact same thing. And I realize in some cases you have limited opportunities as far as the environment is concerned, but I bet you could create some right. really interesting pictures with, with floating details, if you will, uh, using that fishing wire. That's a really cool idea. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I love it. It comes super, comes in handy when you're least expecting it. You know, someone's like, man, I wish we could make this float or something. I'm like, I got you. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Well, again, for those of you listening in, make sure you go check out Vince's work, particularly on on Instagram. If you go to Vince, V-I-N-C-E, Sirico, S-I-R-I-C-O on Instagram. Of course, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But let's let's talk about your photography events. And before we yeah. get into your career path, just briefly, I, I know I alluded earlier to your use of color. Uh, when you and I were having conversation leading up to this interview, you'd sent me a link to a gallery that uh, of, of images that you had recently finished. And the yeah. way that you were connecting the color of the shoe with colors in the environment was really quite interesting. It was really beautifully done. Thank How you. do you go about planning for this approach? And, and did you find inspiration for this approach? Or was it something you kind of came up with on your own? Yeah, I think it's a mix of things. Definitely inspiration early on. I think when Instagram was really getting started, there was one photographer in particular who goes by the name Trashan. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's from Chicago. And that's originally where I kind of started this whole thing and went to school and everything. So I kind of watched him take off and I watched his photography and it's very much cityscapes and landscapes, architecture, things like that. And like his use of color always was the best to me, even still to this day, you know, just one of those people who really has it dialed in. And what was, Um, what was their name again? 
trash hand. Trash so it's just hand. trash. Yeah. yeah. So trash and then hand. Yep. And it's just one, no spaces. Interesting. Okay. Um, we'll find that link to that in, in the show notes, yeah. but, but please continue. Yeah. So he was somebody early on too that, you know, that was really inspiring and just to see the way how he was one of the first people to be featured by the Instagram actual page. And I was really noticing how Instagram was almost like a potential career, you know, with photography. So it was just inspiring to watch that whole thing. And even, you know, early on when I knew I wanted to do shoes, there wasn't a whole lot of shoe photography out there. One of the early brands, a shoe retailer named Kith, which is pretty big now. They started in New York. They had a shoe photographer in-house who did something very similar where he was matching environmental colors to shoes and things like that. And I think that really stuck with me. His name was Tyler Mansour and he's still at Kith and he's still one of their photographers. So those were some early inspirations, like some of the biggest for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm actually on the on trash hands Instagram at the moment, yeah. just kind of scrolling through as you're talking and, and wow, I mean, just stunning yeah. scenic work, first of all, and then the way that yeah. he ties his subjects and, and photographs of shoes into, into those environments is wow. It's, it's really, really beautiful. And another, that's actually another thing too. Um, if you, if you do a deep dive there, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, he also is not big on copy his work is just there. It's very in your face, yeah. you know, um, he's just showing you what you'll, you'll get kind of. Um, so I've always, he's definitely been my biggest inspiration for getting started and still is today. That's cool. Yeah. So how do you, how do you like take these ideas of mixing and color of the shoe and the environment into the shoot itself? I mean, are you able to kind of plan that in advance? Do you know the locations that you're <laughs> shooting ahead of time? What does that look like? Yes. So not, not really, unfortunately, it's a lot of, you know, I'll get a shoe and I think it's always, it's almost a subconscious thing now where I'm looking for the shoe to match a background. And I just go on these walks with the product and being in New York, I think I'm super lucky. And even being in Chicago before this, you know, two big cities, kind of endless alleys and streets you can turn down. And I'll just walk until I find something that stands out to me. And I always end up finding something because I know I'm not going to I can't go home until I do (laughs) (laughs) while I'm doing those walks. I'm also finding other walls that will work for other shoes and I'll kind of write them down or screenshot where I'm at on Google maps or something Cool. and kind of keep a little archive there of things. But you know, sometimes I get a shoe in and I know what it is and my girlfriend will see it and she'll even text me while she's out with her friends. Hey, this wall is blue. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's kind of, that it plays a big, a big role in it too. But, you know, being somewhere like New York, I can just go out and same with that project I sent you. We just went out, we kind of kept it within a certain square radius and walked around until something stood out to us. So, you know, I've definitely told myself in the past location scouting would be helpful going out a day early, but sometimes with I have, there's some super quick turnaround times where, you know, location scouting isn't in the process or we don't have time for that. So yeah, just going out and finding places. It's one of my favorite things. Well, again, the, the work speaks for itself and Thank you. Uh, the way that you use those backgrounds, the environments is incredible at color. I mean, I'm, again, I'm scrolling through your Instagram account here and even this simple shot that you posted back, uh, well, this is November 30th of 2017, but it's a, a picture of some, uh, I guess you could say teal blue Nikes on okay. a, on a teal chair. And oh yeah, and and the way that the colors <laughs> tie together. I mean, it's such a simple shot. But it's so beautiful and and it's very impactful in and of itself. And and I can imagine that you can find opportunities like that that are somewhat surprising in some cases, simple but do the job of tying the colors together like that. Yeah, and that for that case, we were in a little studio space, and that chair was just there. And we had, I had this pair of shoes that matched it. Yeah. So it's really just, yeah, right place, right time kind of thing sometimes. That's cool. Well, thank you. No, absolutely. Well, let's, and let's actually talk about your career a little bit because I I want on a very practical level to share with our listeners how, I mean, again, this is a genre we don't normally delve into, but if there's an interest, especially for newer photographers and they're trying to figure out which direction to take their career, this is a this is a really exciting one, very interesting one, but I, I want to yeah. give them some context to how to approach the process of getting started in apparel photography, more specifically shoe photography. And by the way, I have to ask, is there is there a a term or a phrase that's used to describe this type of photography? Am I am I labeling it correctly? No, you know what? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> 
It's, yeah, you got it. You're okay. Good. All right. So we'll just call it shoe photography. But you moved to, as I alluded to earlier, to New York right after school. Yeah. Whereabouts did you go to school? I went to school for the first year and a half. I went to Columbia, which is an art school in Chicago. Yeah. So kind of some full backstory on that was I actually, it was, you know, senior year of high school. I had no idea what I wanted to do. It was, and that was driving me crazy. I was up all night. I was on YouTube, Google, all this stuff, trying to figure it out. And so I ended up just kind of settling and I was you know, like, you know, I'm going to go to state school in Indiana and I was going to go be an ear doctor randomly. I really? thought my, yes, I thought, you know, my parents would be happy. I would have like a doctor title on my name. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, and I was going to go room with my, my best friend who I'm still close with today. But, and I actually went to orientation and everything. I had my student ID card and this is, you know, two months before you're supposed to go to college. And your parents, one of your parents has to come with you. And so we went and I remember just coming home and I remember my mom being like, why were you miserable? Like you should be excited. And I didn't think she realized that I was like miserable there. You know, I wasn't like, I was like stomping my feet or anything. Sure. She, I guess she just like read me. And so I was just like, yeah. And she, her and my dad sat me down and I was like, yeah, I want to do, I want to like be in the footwear industry. And they were like, well, you know, what is that? <laughs> and, um, what is that yeah yeah exactly and I even was like you know it's there was people at the time that I was starting to see where it was a viable career you know whether it was design or owning your own store um just being around that product and I was getting to the point where I was finding some of these people at Nike that were behind certain shoes that I really loved that were like the designers um and trying to figure out their career path and everything and I really thought I could do it or do something similar and so we talked, I talked with my parents and I was like, I think it'd be better if I went to a city, you know, a big city where I could have a chance to at least get my foot in somewhat of an industry. Cause there was obviously there's no footwear or fashion industry in Indiana, especially in Muncie specifically where I was going to be. And so they were like, well, you can, you know, go to school in Chicago and you'd have to, you'd have to look and Columbia had open admission. So they basically take people like me who can't make up their mind like last minute. So I went ahead and applied and couple weeks later, I got accepted and couldn't afford student housing there. So that was a big thing that was almost going to be like a second tuition if I did student housing in downtown Chicago. And my grandmother was by herself at the time in Chicago in a building that she lived in for, you know, most of her life. And so she welcomed me into her apartment. And that's where I kind of got started and went to school. And those first two years was really honestly, it was just me doing sneaker stuff. I had no friends. I think I got one phone, one person's phone number in my phone, my first year and a half of school. Um, and art school just wasn't working out. I was very much on the verge of kind of giving up and trying to go back to a state school and get a normal job. And then I took that photography class and things started working out for me. So yeah, that's kind of how it all got started. Well, you're, you talk about those first two years that you, you were just kind of in your own world. I mean, there had to be as much as you were just not feeling it going after a medical yeah. career, it had to be a pretty big shift going from that to, okay, now I get to go to school for the thing that I really am stoked about. Yeah. Oh, it was so exciting. <laughs> what did that, I mean, what did that look like were you, when you talk about just doing shoes? Was it yeah. kind of learning the field, learning the industry? What, what do you mean yeah. by just kind of being in, in that world so focused? Right. So freshman year of college, it was, I still hadn't picked up a camera. So it was just me thinking I was going to be a designer or I was even thinking I could work on like the materials that go on a shoe or, or the certain colors, you know, and get into the whole like Pantone swatch and how some of these brands, they tell a story on a shoe. And that was like fascinating to me. And so I was just learning about that. And there was sneaker blogs, websites, even publications. One in particular is called Sneaker Freaker. Um, and they're still around today. They've been around for a long time and before I was even into to shoes. And they've been making these mini books that come out, you know, every few months. And it's just a full deep dive into everything that's going on in the sneaker world. So it covers every brand, you know, they're not um, biased by any means. And they talk about the designers and they're like, feature a collector they go all around the world they're based in australia so basically they have to go everywhere else for all of their content so i was reading things like that um, i was just fully immersed myself you know that's where i kind of learned you know i didn't realize i was taking in all this knowledge but it was just me 
learning everything I could about shoes, the history and, you know, Michael Jordan and Tinker Hatfield who designed all of Michael Jordan's shoes. It just went on and on. And I was just on my computer every night doing that, you know, just looking up, there'd be a random YouTube video that I'd get lucky. I'd find something I hadn't seen or, you know, I'd find a different article from like a complex. They were doing a lot of sneaker related stuff at the time too. Um, and the more and more I've seen that, you know, I just realized that this was definitely a career, but the, the frustrating part was that there was just no specific path of doing it. You know, there's no footwear. It's funny because you think everyone is wearing sneakers. You know, if you're leaving the house, you're putting on a pair of shoes, but there's really not a set um, like educational degree for it to get into that industry. So I was just so frustrated. I felt like I was running up a wall trying to figure it out um but it was really from me just posting photos on instagram of shoes and stuff as i met this community of people that had similar interests and in footwear and some of them were already working in the industry and i just wanted to be in that industry so bad i remember more than anything well i, I think this is a good segue too because i i really want to make this and you probably know this from listening to the podcast our listeners regular listeners know this i, I think it's really important that our listeners are walking away with something practical and actionable yes. when it comes to our, our main topic of focus and so when you talk about what you did and, and I mean, the very simple fact that there was no obvious pathway to take, you had to make this happen yourself. And um, so maybe you're going to be one of the first to really put it out there for the photography world, the photography industry. How did you make <laughs> that happen? Because again, you've only been photographing for a few years. You, you didn't, you barely have even alluded to your, your photography training. Somehow you managed to pick that up really, really quickly right. as well, <laughs> which is really probably a conversation in and of itself. But I want to help photographers, up and coming photographers who want to get into this industry know yeah. how to make that happen. You're already working with companies like Reebok and Adidas, which is massive. So very simply, what are the top three principles that have enabled you to move so quickly in this direction to be able to make these big connections and to begin to develop a career? Yeah. So I would say, well, so yeah, if, let's say if this person's already decided they want to do footwear photography. One thing they can do is absolutely message me. That's one thing I want to let any of them know, you know, is that they can ask a million questions and I'll try and help them as much as possible. But um, don't stray from it. You know, there's going to be a lot of times where you're probably going to like doubt yourself and, you know, obviously don't want to stray from it. But there's also a lot of other avenues you can do with photography, you know, whether it's cars or landscape and music. And all of those can be very enticing, but they're also going to take away time from you really just trying to hone in on that craft. So whether it's going into your own personal sneaker collection or texting a friend that you know has some sneakers, just go out for a day and just go go take photos. And, you know, if you're proud of them, you know, post them on Instagram. It can't hurt to put them out there and just continually do that. You know, it's you really have to I would say, you know, if you could stick to something like that and consistently shoot it and notice that you're getting better and put it out there in the world, you're going to see things change for you in a couple of years. You know, I can almost guarantee that for any route. I think we all could, you know, say that if you just stick to something. So I think that's the first principle. Um, don't give just up. To, just, just keep pushing Yeah, just forward. don't give up and stay in that. I think you did it with, uh, I just listened to the, your podcast with Vicky. It was a stay in your lane. Yeah. That's four words right there. You know, <laughs> I think every photographer should have that, you know, kind of ingrained. Well, and, and I have to say here too that I, I've got a lot of respect for for the the amount of focus that you have. I mean, it's you you're walking in first. You're in New York City, in Manhattan. That's that is. Yeah. I mean, almost disturbing enough, right? I mean, it's it, it's overwhelming. <laughs> There's so much going on, and you're doing yeah. this right after coming out of school, and then and then you're like, you know what? I, I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to make this career happen. This is what I'm going to do. This is the lane that I'm going to run in. And yeah. your your level of focus is extremely admirable. Is that something that, that you feel like your your parents taught you? Is it something you've just kind of learned along the way? Where do you get um, that? Yeah, I don't I think it definitely is. My dad is my dad has worked in the same place for twenty years and works the craziest hours at a convention center in Chicago at the McCormick place. And I do think I definitely get and even from my mom, because you know, they both they both do have a very very good work ethic and I think it has to have came from them you know and I really can't pinpoint what exactly it was but like another thing that you know I was watching that I wanted to to bring up with this principle was um this Kendrick Lamar interview that I'll have to send you and it's okay. it's older I think it's like five years old um and it's actually him doing a fashion interview and you know 
that's obviously not his focus. He's a very much a musician, Sure. but they talk about that. So they, they say, uh, what is like your take on doing, you know, clothing or apparel? And he said, you know, I, my heart is, isn't in that, you know, my heart is in the music. And, you know, if my heart ever goes to, to fashion, I'll do that. But, you know, I would never just because I have the money or the opportunity to, to go do that but I just do that and take it away from someone else's profession. Hmm. And that's kind of how I look at it. You know, I, I'm intrigued. I, I really do like shooting concerts and stuff and, you know, maybe it's cars or, or something else or in sports too. I love shooting sports, but my heart is really in and always has been in kind of, you know, footwear. And until my heart goes somewhere else, you know, I'll go do those other things. But right now, yeah, that's where it is. And I think I remember like that one stuck with me, that interview, because I remember I found it yesterday, actually, because I wanted to bring it up again. I think that's a good way to approach photography. Yeah, absolutely. The significance of commitment comes to mind here. And I, I, yeah. I mean, this is a very personal thing as well, or something that I can relate to, because I know that my I'm an extremely emotional person, and I'm also a very curious person. So like the next yeah. shiny thing is getting my attention, you know, whether it's a, a, a different <laughs> totally. motorcycle or maybe, you know, some other project to or activity to pursue or the next coolest, whatever. It's it, it's easy to be distracted, but yeah. there is something to be said for commitment in a, in a world and in a culture where we have so many choices. Uh, right. I have a lot of respect, not only for your focus, but also what you were saying that, that Kendrick was pointing out, which is the significance of staying in that lane, committing to that thing. And yeah, this might be great, but this is what I'm doing right now. And not only exactly. committing to that, but committing to that for a period of time. You alluded earlier to the significance of patience. And, you know, again, because we live in such a, a um, for lack of a better word, luxurious first world culture, it's yeah. easy to, with all the choices out there, to be like, all right, I'm going to try this now, and I'm going to do that thing, and I'm going to go after that. Uh, rather than actually committing and putting your head down and digging in and making this thing happen. And there's, yeah. there's a lot to be said to that. So much respect to you. And, and I appreciate that, that point of advice and reminder for all of us. So the first principle is not to stray. Don't give up. Stay in your lane. Yes. That's really important. Take us to the next principle. Yeah, I think uh, the next one, you know, I had just to, to have that confidence. But again, I think it comes from putting in that work, you know, so there's going to be a period of time where, you know, no one is maybe noticing what you're doing. Um, it's really just you and your camera and that, that period of time, you won't realize it while you're doing it. You know, you'll probably think you're not going anywhere cause there's no checks coming in, but it's, I think it's the most important period of time, you know, because you're going through that, that hard time that no one else is going through, you know, like that experience is going to be your own forever. Um, and through that, you're going to get this confidence to, to go ahead and tackle freelance or any sort of photography, you know, it's not a, it's a lifelong lesson. There's still, still feel like there's <laughs> menu options in my camera that I still don't know what they do, <laughs> you know? That's fair. I, I'd say probably about 80% yeah. of the options that are in cameras right now, we don't actually need anyway. So I don't think it's hurting it's, you too much. Yeah. Like the, the Sony menu option I have, it's like a yellow pages. It looks like in there. It's insane. <laughs> learning yeah you know just little things like that you know when you learn about your camera and if you and if you have something you know i think i am fortunate enough to where i did have a passion for sneakers because it makes it easier for me with photography because i know that's what i want to shoot i think there are some people who love photography and i'll get messages they often don't know what they want to shoot you know with their career and i just you know encourage them to try and find something that stands out to them the most you know whether it's portraits you know and people and if it's weddings um, just find where, where your heart is in it. And then if you shoot it over that period of time, you'll develop this confidence that you're going to be able to do it forever. I remember giving my mom such a hard time in high school when I had high school job or even college early on. I had jobs like regular jobs. I'd just be like, when I graduate, <laughs> I'm never going to clock in somewhere and I'm not going to have a boss. And part of me said it. to I think it was just maybe to upset her <laughs> because she did not like hearing that. But I think also it was, there was some, something in me. I remember thinking, you know, too, was I actually believed in that, yep. you know, I was like, I'm going to somehow make something, make something happen for myself where I can just be my own boss and, you know, work when I want to and just enjoy life. I was really big on that. And I, when I really thought about it, I didn't know what that was, but I was just confident it was going to happen. So I think everyone has, they're confident about something. Maybe they don't even realize it, you know, so just exploring yourself like that is so important. Well, I, the note that I made as you were talking was confidence. 
yes. dot, 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 from putting in the work. And the, the from putting in the work piece is, I think, really important here because, again, in, in a culture where, I mean, sure, some of us, as we're launching a business, we may be kind of scraping. There's not a lot of money in the bank. We got to make something happen. We got to shoot something or, right. or we're not going to have, you know, we're not going to be able to pay bills. But uh, aside from that, we can't just expect to sit around and something happen. Yeah. So there is, I mean, as obvious as it may seem, there is significance in this idea of putting in the work. Just saying, I know this is going to work, or I know I'm going to make this happen. This is going to be my career. I'm going to be big, or whatever the thing is. I, this is what I'm going to do, but not actually be willing to put the effort and the time and the energy into it. Um, mm-hmm. it we're going to miss out, likely, on at least as good an opportunity, if, if not the opportunity at all, to be involved in that field or in that project or in that kind of long-term dream. And so you're putting the work in, you're putting the work in and doing the research and practicing so that when you get that opportunity, you can actually capitalize on that opportunity. And that's really, really important and a great reminder for all of us. So the first principle, don't stray, keep focused. Number two, confidence from putting in the work. And uh, what is the third principle that comes to mind? Yeah. And the, the third one I think is uh, to pay it forward. So for me, when what really kind of gave me a big thing that gave me confidence and that I'll never forget was when I was posting all of these shoe photos on Instagram, you know, I didn't know if really anyone was noticing, but I had like this small network of people that I met, you know, via the internet, you know, so it's, but I remember sitting in photography class. I remember I got a mention on Twitter, like my phone went off and complex at the time was doing these internet lists you know so it was like top 10 of this like top 10 people in this and they did a a list where it was top 20 sneaker photographers you need to follow and i was one of them i was on this list yeah and this was my sophomore year of college this is right when i was trying to figure things out kind of thing and i was just blown away but these two guys you know Nick Engvall and Brandon Edler were at Complex and, you know, I, I knew of them, you know, and they're kind of been in the industry their whole life. These are people that, you know, I wanted to to be like, you know, I wanted to be in the industry with them. And they wrote this article and included me in it. And that wow. like meant the world to me, you know, and even to this day, still, I still don't know what they, what they've seen in me to include me in that list. And it was such a niche article. I don't even know if you could have found 20 sneaker photographers at the time on Instagram, but it meant a lot to me. And from there, both of those guys, they went on to finish line and they gave me my first paid gig ever with finish line. And, you know, they've branched off and, you know, done so much. And I'm still working with finish line today, actually, you know, five, five years later. Wow. So yeah, the, so seeing how they're like, you know, some of the most selfless people and other people that are in the industry, the people at Adidas and Reebok, they're just selfless. Like they look out for me and will get me a project, you know, cause they, they think I can totally tackle it. And if I can just do that for someone, you know, that would, you know, mean the world to me because I know how much it helped me and gave me confidence. So if it's whether someone's messaging me or, you know, if I can go talk to somebody, you know, I think that's such a big thing that, you know, we could all do is there's somebody trying to figure it out out there, you know, that could use some help. That's that's amazing. Well, I, and I love the, yeah. the energy that comes from from that principle. I mean, this is huge. And we are talking. I, I love principles, and I, I don't think like it's a subjective thing here. I think objectively understanding the significance of principles when it comes to living our personal and our business life is really yeah. important as a foundation. And then we can get into some of the nitty gritty and the details and the how tos and the technical this and that. But right. having a baseline of of principles to base our actions on, I think is really important. And we talk about the significance of focusing, not straying, confidence um, that comes from putting in the work. And then the significance of paying it forward is just very simply kindness, right? And, and, yeah, and being, being a good person to the people around you, not only in the way that you generally, generally interact with them, but in an effort to also help them to give to them, to the community that you're involved in. You never yeah. know where that may come back and pay off in, in, a, in a way that's probably unexpected, as you're pointing out, Vince. And I think this is a yeah. wonderful, wonderful reminder of that. By the way, for those of you listening in who aren't familiar with a complex brand, I mean, you're talking about a, a massive brand in the pop culture world, particularly in regards to apparel and, and more specifically shoes. Uh, I, I'm subscribed to Complex yeah. on YouTube, and a video that I'll <laughs> awesome. I'll watch pretty regularly is the the you know the celebrities going sneaker shopping. 
Um, yeah, I, I feel like I'm able to kind of keep up with pop culture a little bit by chiming in on those uh, at least occasionally. But um, that's that is massive that you got that kind of recognition. And then, I mean, kind of getting to some of the details, would you say yeah. that 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 recognition by Complex was ultimately what allowed you to be able to make the connections with like Reebok and Adidas? What, what led to those? Okay. That, that was one of the main, the, probably one of the biggest factors in it. So after that, you know, obviously I was able to get in touch with these, these two guys and they were believers in my work. And not long after that, you know, they both, like I said, went to finish line and they kind of changed things over at finish line. Finish line is very much a traditional brand in the mall. Yeah. Um, they didn't really have a social presence and, you know, now they, they do. And now it's, you know, Brandon and Nick, I mean, they basically, they created this program. They're a big part of this program where, um, finish line has photographers in key cities. So, you know, New York and LA and Chicago and there's someone in, in Texas and all of that. And they send us product monthly and we shoot it, you know, for their social. And there's countless projects before that to that, you know, finish line that, you know, Brandon and Nick have gone out of their way to give just to me, you know, because wow. they believe that I could do it. And I've met people, you know, someone from finish line who then went on to work at Adidas basketball and you know, from there it spiraled into, you know, I was working with sneaker blogs and we got to do a lot of first James Harden basketball shoe. And that led to, you know, a lot of the sports categories I'm working with today. Um, and it's just this like tight kind of not, it's not really tight knit, but it's just a circle of people and everyone kind of looks out for everyone. Um, and it says, everyone's just, uh, is nice, you know, <laughs> it's, it's so refreshing. Um, it's amazing I how something to, simple as kindness can, can make such a big difference, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's wild, but it's, that's one of my favorite things about being in this industry. And I was, you know, even getting to go on these work trips and they're there, it's get to hang out with my friends, you know? Yeah. So that's, you know, I can't ask for more than that. Wow. Well, and honestly, I can't ask for much more than what you've shared today. This has been really, I, I love the conversation. I love what you represent. I love the principles you're sharing. And maybe just real quickly, one more time, if you'll share with our listeners where they can find you online and potentially message you as well, that'd be great. Yeah. It's just my first and last name. So Vince Sirico, that's where you can find me on everything, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and same with my website. And yeah, if you have any questions, please message away i have no problem you know responding <laughs> awesome. thank you so much now thank you vince thanks for making time for boca yeah absolutely thank you so much for listening to the boca podcast will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the apple podcast app and i'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show my email is nathan at photographersedit.com the Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com.